I just got one thing to say. Okay, say it. Wish that I was on a rocky top down in the Tennessee hills. Ain't no smoggy smoke on rocky top. Ain't no telephone bills. Mm. Once I had a girl on rocky top, half bear, the other half cat. Why does a mink butt sweet ass soda pop? I still dream about that. Okay, that's enough. You didn't. That Her. was for Rocky what? Top. Huh? You didn't sing the real Rocky Top, did you? Did I miss oh, that? Rocky Top, <laughs> you'll always be. <laughs> I got embarrassed. <laughs> Don't. You sound great. I was like I was like, this has gone on way too long. Nah, not for Tennessee fans. We'll listen to it till the That's... day we die. Yep. But I'm not a um, fan, that but. goes out to our Crimson Tide fans. I think you know why, but let, let's remind the crowd, let's remind the crowd that we won against you guys for mm-hmm. the first time in like 15 years. So Dang. let us have it, let us enjoy it, let us relish, and we'll move on. Okay. I've been thinking about joining the band or jumping on the bandwagon of Tennessee, not because I'm interested in sports. <laughs> Because I lived in Tennessee for like almost five years and I never got into it. But I love Bobby Osborne. And like if I'm going to be part of something, I'm going to be part of something that he's part of. You know what I'm saying? That's very fair. It's a bandwagon you should jump on now, though, because now Mm -hmm. we're actually doing well. But see, I've been a Tennessee fan my whole life, which means I'm a very loyal lady. Okay? Because we have sucked every year (laughs) until right now. (laughs) Have you ever heard of uh, Kentucky football? Uh, no, I have you not. You have it. That's why. <laughs> Kentucky? What color are they? Like, yeller? Our basketball, though, you know. You know. You know, you know. We got we got it there, but. All righty. So, what have you been up to? Oh, you know, just doing the things. Surviving every day. <laughs> <laughs> not much. That's all we can do. That's all we can do. Oh. Are you watching any new Netflix, 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 Hulu, Disney Plus? Um, well, I watched Hocus Pocus 2, and honestly, my expectations were far too high. I needed to not have any expectations, but I'm not that kind of person. I have very high expectations, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is not great. See, but I, I don't know how I feel about sequels. Are they needed? It's fun. Sometimes they are needed. But, Hence Harry yeah, Potter. <laughs> oh, yeah. Only yeah. the best series. Very true. But Hulu, I'm into this show called Tell Me Lies. Have you heard of it? Oh, yes. I've been watching it and I like it. That's a porno. <laughs> that is. <laughs> it is. I like I t- it. <laughs> I want. <laughs> I like it a lot. <laughs> um, no. So I like watched the first half of. Like the first half of the first episode, and um, it, it didn't get to any like really intense parts yet. And so I told my mom, I was like, "Mama, you have to watch this show called Tell Me Lies." And then I started watching it more, 
And I was like, oh my God, I didn't know it was going to get this raunchy. <laughs> Poor I'm Rita. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Mama, no. She was like, eyes. well, I was wondering why you would suggest this. <laughs> I want you to watch this. I bet you really she watches show. it alone in her house all the time. She might. Rita's going to listen to this and she's going to go, Elizabeth, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I watch. Oh, have you watched The Patient? Oh my gosh, Steve no. In it. But. One of my best friends, Rachel, she told me I needed to watch it because we are obsessed with The Office, hence, you know, Mm -hmm. Steve Carell. And she was like, you need to watch it. So his acting in this is like out of this world. Plus, it has some country music connection. Oh, Um, I'm just going to. okay. so one of the characters in the show is a big fan of Kenny Chesney. (gasps) Okay, so it's like that's a big part of it. Random, but yeah. You know, my grandmother used to live by a guy who wrote songs for Kidney Chesney. Either wrote songs for him or managed him. I know that's a huge difference, but something with Kenny Chesney. <laughs> wow. I love me some Kenny. You know, there's a lot of, well, I don't know if it's if everybody, but me and my brother are always discussing whether Kenny Chesney is considered country. Uh, I think he is. He's just beach country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say that. Beach country. Mm-hmm. He's up there with Jimmy Buffett. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know if Jimmy Buffett's country, but, you know, he's beach country. I think so. I think so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, are we ready to get into our main topic tonight? We are so ready. Okay. So, I wanted to start this off kind of in a weird way. I love, like, going into details of, like, the year things kind of started. Okay, perfect. I just think it's interesting. And so, we're going to go back to the year 1932. Okay. And I wanted to mention some fun facts about 1932 so you can kind of get a feel for what was going on in the world. Okay, fun. So, there were some new items on the market. Mm -hmm. This included Zippo lighters, burrito corn chips, the Kit Kat clocks, which are the clocks that hang on the wall on the tail. Oh my gosh, yeah, we had one. Okay, cool. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Okay. Three Musketeers, the candy bar, and Garditos, the little trail mix with the hard bread piece. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like a bagel piece or whatever it is. Uh, Revlon nail polish and my favorite candy, well, one of my favorite candies, Terry's Chocolate Orange. Okay. I've had, um, never had that. Really? Oh, God. Helen used to bring out, so my sister Helen, she went to college in England, and I think they're really big in England or maybe, I don't know. But anyway, she would always bring me some back That's from there. For Christmas. Radio City Music Hall opened in New York, and there were tons of famous folks born that year. Little Richard, Casey Kasem, Pat Morita. Do you know who that is? Nope, but I know Casey Kasem. <laughs> <laughs> I had to look up Pat Morita, which I feel sorry, Pat Morita. Yeah, sorry. Um, he was the guy on The Karate Kid. Oh, okay. This, the, the teacher. Mr. Miyagi. Debbie Wren. Yeah, that's him. The one and only. Um, Debbie Reynolds. She was on Halloween Town, I'm pretty sure. uh, Yes, she absolutely was. And she was in the, wasn't she in the aluminum foil commercials? I think so. She was in Singing in the Rain. She, yeah, I love I don't know why I remember her for Tenfold commercials, but there we go. Tiny Tim. Do you you know who that is? Yes, Christmas Carol. No. No. So, Tiny Tim was like this real... He looked like Weird Al Yankovic, okay? Oh, my God, okay. 
<laughs> he walked so Weird Al Yankovic could run. But anyway, <laughs> he would sing, Tiptoe by the window. Oh my gosh. Okay, okay. Like creepy. Yeah, so him, Oscar de la Renta, Johnny Cash, Loretta Lynn, and Loretta Lynn's good friend, Patsy Klein. So, you may be wondering who we'll be talking about today. Mm. And we will be talking about Virginia Patterson Hensley, who eventually goes by Patsy Klein. So, anyway. I did not know that that was her real name. And I did not know that she and Loretta were the same age. I know. And Johnny Cash. Like, it was the year of country. So, uh, like I said, she was born in 1932 on September 8th in Winchester, Virginia. So I think it's kind of cool that she was born in Virginia and her name was Virginia. Mm-hmm. Is that like, why her name, name was Virginia? I didn't get that detail, okay. but I just kind of, assu- her mom's middle name is Virginia. Oh, so okay. So probably not. I don't know. Anyway. Um, so she was born to Hilda Virginia Patterson and Samuel Lawrence Hensley. Uh, her mother was 13 and her dad was 40. I'm sorry. Do Aka, the math. Excuse me? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, which, knowing Loretta Lynn's, Loretta Lynn was 13 or 14 when she got pregnant. It was just that, you know, time, but really it's still weird. Okay. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, um, I'm just going to start out by saying, so, like I said, she was born Virginia, but she went by the nickname Jenny in her childhood, and then later on in like the beginning of her career, she moved to Patsy. So from here on out, I'll be calling her Patsy, as she's well known. Yes. So, <laughs> yes, her her uh, dad had uh, a family before he met her mom. Um, the dad's first wife um, died of pneumonia. Mm. But they did have two kids before that. One was named Tempe Glenn, which is now on my baby future baby names. Tempe yeah. is short for temperance. Very cute. Oh. So it was Tempe, Tempe Glenn was her name, and Randolph was the her older brother's name. Then Patsy came along, and then there was Samuel Jr., and then Sylvia. So the family relocated 19 times, and it was mainly because... Her dad had a hard time keeping jobs, and so they would move around to try to find... That was kind of common back in the day, was to move around to, like, different cities to get work. Wow. So, um, from my research sources, I found it was around 19 times. And then all of those moves led them right back to Winchester. Hmm. Interesting. I know what it's like to move around. I'm a military kid, but that's why I thought that they were military. But nope. Okay. Got it. Nope. Um, And I forgot to mention that, so once um, her dad's first wife died, they went, the two older siblings didn't live with the rest of the family. They lived with their music teacher, their piano teacher. Don't really know why, but. (laughs) (laughs) What? Don't know why. Listen. But, yeah. Things were weird back then, let me say. Really, really was. But back to Patsy, she was a natural-born entertainer. She and her mother would go to, like, the old theaters and see, um, like, black-and-white films. And this is where she caught a bug for her love of Shirley Temple. And she wanted to be Shirley Temple. 
And she would walk down the street, tapping her feet, and just, like, dreaming of being like her. She wanted to be a performer. And she ended up asking her mother for dance lessons, but they couldn't afford it, obviously. But this didn't stop Patsy, so she uh, would just tap around the house. Hmm. I don't know if she was really tapping or just <laughs> clocking her feet, but... Sounds like me. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> um, Hilda, her mom was like out shopping or something and she saw a sign that said uh was like advertising for a dance competition and so she entered patsy on just a whim and to everyone's surprise this little girl who had no formal training took first place wow now was she really good or was she <laughs> were the other people just horrible i don't were know the other but, people a bunch but, of lizards i probably like so um she ended up winning and she's kind of like me i feel like once i like think once i think i'm good at something i'm like okay i'm done with it like i don't want to deal with it anymore so she was done with dance and then she moved on to piano and she got obsessed with piano because Tempe Glenn, her older half sister, remember she lives with her music teacher mm-hmm. and her music teacher taught her piano. So, you know, she was over here bebopping around the piano really good. And I think Patsy was inspired by that. So then Patsy wanted to play piano, mm. but again, they couldn't afford lessons. But she begged and pleaded, and finally, on her seventh birthday, she got piano lessons. But when they took her to the lessons, um, I think it was like a couple lessons in, the piano teacher said, she's she learns by ear, so there's really no point of her being here. You're just wasting your money. Mm. She's like a natural talent at this. I wish I was like I that. I know, right? I wish. Just pick up an instrument. Yeah. And piano is so hard. I've. <clears throat> taken piano lessons and it's just it's a lot of music theory me too me and too. that is not a talent you've taken piano lessons? i sure have i quit but i do know rocky top <laughs> oh wow that's actually true i do know rocky top <laughs> i play it for billy on her little kid piano all the time oh my gosh i love that i'll play it when you come here <laughs> yay okay i gotta take a drink real quick you t- i'm sorry you swig that juice girl you swig that juice it's actually tea oh from- are we spilling yeah <laughs> We're spilling. Yeah, hopefully I don't spill it. Sweet. It's that sweet dollar tea from Chick-fil-A. Mm-mm. I have a coffee and a tea in here because I got so thirsty last time that we yeah. talked. I have a coffee and a sparkling ice drink. Although my mom told me I'm Ooh. not supposed to drink these anymore. It could give me cancer. So don't tell her I told they you. They have that. aspartame. Yeah, exactly. Is that why? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Mom. Anything good has aspartame in it, and it was used for warfare. But anyway. Well, it's delicious. Um, <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> 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 All right. Anyway. So she, anyway, so she ended up, I don't really know how it went with piano, but obviously she got good at it because she would play it throughout her life. But... She went from one, like, she went from really focused on dance to really focused on piano to becoming obsessed with a little thing called the Grand Ole Opry. Oh. And so every Saturday night, she was sitting around the radio listening to all the different country stars going there. And this is when her dream of becoming a country star really blossomed. And she told her mom that she wanted to be the biggest country star there was. Hmm. So... This is where she began to sing in church and at social events around town. And Patsy was full of big ideas. And so one time, 
you know, she was always sitting around that radio. Her favorite, she had the idea to go to her favorite radio station, WINC, and she was all dressed up and she was wanting to talk to Jolton Jim McCoy, who was the DJ there. She was 14 at the time. So she went, she got all dressed up and she went and asked him for an audition because she wanted to be on the radio. She was like, I'm a big fan of this show, but I also want to be on the show. Mm. And so he kind of laughed at her, but then he let her audition and she became a regular with his Melody Playboys was what his group was called. Hmm. Yeah. So it was around this time that her career, she was only 14 at the time, but she was really wow. getting out and getting her name in the local scene. And this is when Samuel Hensley Sr., her father, deserted the family. Dang. Just picked up and left. So sad. And yeah, it's horrible because he. You know, I don't know the story, but he was an older gentleman that went after a younger woman, and then he just decides to yep. pack up. Unfortunately, sounds like a fairly common issue. Yeah. So this caused uh, Patsy to drop out of high school mm. so that she could help her mom, because her mom was a seamstress, and so that wasn't going to help raise her family. So she dropped out of high school, and she took on many different jobs. She worked in like a chicken factory. Like, she killed chickens. Ugh. Um, but then she ended up working as a soda jerk at Gaunt's Drugstore. Okay. And this is when she met a photographer that was really big around the area of Winchester. And she would sing while she was working in the soda shop. And um, he became to have a liking to her. Like, he thought she was really talented. And Patsy went up to him one day, and she was like, I... She gave him a letter that she had wrote, and she was like, I wrote this letter to the Opry, and I'm really wanting to send it, but my friend, my friend said I, I shouldn't. She, like, laughed me off, and he said, you have more talent than anybody on the Opry stage, pretty much. You should totally send it. So she sent it to the Opry, and the Opry responded, and they wanted headshots and recordings of our singing. Wow. So the photographer that encouraged her to send it, uh, she went back to him and asked for him to get headshots. She was going to pay him in little, like, segments of money. Yeah. But he said, sure, we'll do that. Well, they took the photos, and he said, I'm going to give you these for free. And I was like, it just takes, like, little people here and there in your life to really encourage you. And then he got her connected with a, like, recording studio in town that helped her record the um, the recordings. So. <laughs> what What are they called? The recording oh. that she recorded recording. Oh, 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 okay, okay, okay. So at the same time that all this went down, she sent the letter to the Grand Ole Opry, and they asked her for headshots and the recordings. A gospel singer by the name Wally Fowler, he came into town because he was on tour. I've never heard of this man. Me neither. But he was apparently big. And he came into town, and he was playing at a theater. Patsy knew some people that worked there as, like, ticket takers. What's the proper name for that? Ticket, ticket people? Yeah, like a, yeah, a ticket. Ticketeers? Yeah, we'll say a ticketeer. That sounds fun. <laughs> a ticketeer. So she, she, she talked them into letting her get in and get backstage. So she went up to Wally, and again, there was this young girl in front of this older man wanting to audition, and she did, and she blew him away. Uh, Patsy's mom was at home asleep when Patsy came in and woke her up and her mom was always like, what now, Patsy? <laughs> and she said, uh, we have visitors. And she was like, who? 
she said, Wally Fowler, like this famous man. She's like, no, we don't. And he was really at the house. And he was like telling her mom, your daughter has a future. Like, oh my I'm going to do my best to try to get her, uh, like her name out there. Can you imagine? No, I cannot. It's like, <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> so, at the same, so a little bit after this, maybe like, uh, two weeks to a month she got a call from the opry they wanted to her to come to nashville to do an audition and it's hard to say whether this was her own letter or if it was wally fowler's doing i would probably say wally fowler had more to do with it because i'm sure there was tons of people sending letters to the opry Mm -hmm. um this was a big ask for the family to go to nashville they already were kind of down on the on finances but a family friend said that he would drive them all the way to Nashville as long as they could come right back. There was no like money for lodging or anything. So the family friend, Patsy's mom, Patsy, and the two younger siblings, uh, they went to Nashville. And she got to meet Roy Acuff that day. No way. And she had a really good audition. Good old Roy. But for some reason, they were hung up on something. And they wouldn't give her that, give her the answer that day. Like they kept saying, "We're just waiting on something. Just can you spend the night?" Da 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 da. And they couldn't. So uh, Patsy's mom said, "We have to go. Like we have to get on the road, get back to Virginia." And Patsy was really positive about it. She was like, "Okay, like if it's meant to be, it'll be." So they got on the road, and she never heard back from the Opry from that trip, which is like heartbreaking to think about. Like you made it so close, and then nothing comes of it. Do you know how? But, do, you, uh, do you know how far it is from Winchester to Nashville? Mm, I just looked it up. I, th- I just didn't know if you is know. Is it eleven hours? Yeah. Well, it's nine hours and fifty-seven minutes. So it's okay. like a ten-hour drive to be turned down. But anyway. Yeah, I was had in my head it was either eight or eleven, and I don't know. But anyway, that's a long drive. Yeah. And so she would. She got ready for her audition. Me and you probably know from your like time and entertainment and all that is like getting ready for an audition. You want to have like the best experience. She got ready in like a little, like a, at a little picnic table oh my at a gosh. truck stop for a big audition. <laughs> so she didn't let this discourage her and going into the 1950s, she started to build her career up even more locally. There was a band leader in town named Bill Pierce and he had a group called the Bill Pierce Melody Boys and Girls Group. And she got to start singing with him. And Pierre was actually the one who said that she should take on a name that has more star quality. And so her middle name was Patterson. And she shortened that down to Patsy. Mm. And at the same time, she met her first husband named Gerald Klein. So that's how we got Patsy Klein. Got it. Um, And while working with Pierre, she started to create demo tapes and he would like release these demo tapes out into just to anybody that would listen to him. And it caught the attention of Bill McCall of Four Star Records. And this became Patsy's first record contract. She got zero hit records from this contract, but it did get her a spot on the Opry. So she finally made it to the Opry stage. And she went on singing in jamborees, the Ozark Jamboree and the Town and Country Jamboree. And in a local performance, she met her second husband, Charlie Dick. Mm-hmm. And boy, was and he. And that name really fits him. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> she will find out. So there's a lot probably in between all that going on. But um, 
she has all uh, and i want to mention this at this time while i'm thinking about it there's so much to patsy klein's story even though she had a very short life as you'll hear um i highly recommend y'all read the book honky tonk angel the intimate story of patsy klein by ellis nazauer it's really good and there's so much more it's like almost too detailed how like it's almost crazy how too how detailed it is but i would definitely read it if you want to know more Hmm. so like i said she met charlie dick at a local performance and i think at this time they were just kind of friends um and they would just see each other at performances and stuff so she got a call from a national tv show called the arthur godfrey talent scouts she auditioned like a couple months before this and they finally called her and asked her to perform and she was really set as you will if you read anything about Patsy or the more you listen to this story, she was very like stubborn and she wanted done things done her way. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. At first when I was reading, I was like, dang, she was kind of like bossy. Can really. Have you ever, <laughs> <laughs> have you ever seen that video of Nicki Minaj? And she's like saying when a woman is bossy, she's a bitch. B word. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know if you wanted me to cuss. Sorry. She's a bitch. Okay. <laughs> but when a man is like, is shows any kind of type of authority, he's a boss. Yeah. And so I kind of like thought about that. And I was like, no, she was just, she wanted things a certain way. And she had her, her mindset on how she wanted things done. So she was going to uh, New York to be on this national television, television show. And she wanted to wear her cowgirl outfit and to sing a song called A Poor Man's Roses. The producer, however, wanted her to wear a cocktail dress and sing her song, Walking After Midnight. And so they Mm. went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and Patsy wasn't going to give up. But then she finally, she gave in, and I'm not really sure why she gave in. But her, she sang in the cocktail dress, and she sang Walking After Midnight, and she won the competition. Um, And due to this, so Walking After Midnight was not released to the public yet. And so Decca rushed to release the song to meet the demand of it from everybody seeing it on the TV show. Mm. It hit number two on the country and side chart for Billboard, and it hit number 12 on the pop chart. So this was like her first time hitting like the big, big charts with her songs. Wow. Congrats, Patsy. I know. So proud. So after Walking After Midnight, she really didn't have another successful single, and she felt stuck. Hmm. And also that same year, she divorced Gerald Klein. She got fired from the jamboree that she was singing with. And they said that she was constantly late and she had whiskey on her breath a lot. In the same year, she married Charlie Dick. Oh, Patsy. Whirlwind going on. And Charlie ended up being shipped to Fort Bragg in North North Carolina. Carolina. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My brother has drilled there all the time. Oh, okay, yeah. So they also had their first child, and Patsy wanted a new start, so then she finally made the move to Nashville. Mm. And she got her a manager named Randy Hughes, and Randy Hughes was able to get her steady work and several Opry appearances. And so the famous uh, Opry manager, Ot Devine at the time, um she went up to him and she point blank was just asking her about member asking him about membership mm. wow. <laughs> to the Opry. And he said, Patsy, if that's all you want, you're on the Opry. 
And so from this point, I'm about to Facebook message Dan the man (laughs) and just be like, hey, Dan, you hear that? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And be like, um, so what about that membership, though? Um, So in 1960, she became an official member. Wow. And that same year, she left Four Star and she signed with DECA. And her first release with DECA was I Fall to Pieces. It was written by Hank Cochran and Harlan Howard, and it released in 1961. That same year, in 1961, she um, was in a car crash with her brother. Mm-hmm. They hit head-on. Uh, it wasn't their fault. It was the other person's hit them head-on. And her face, like she was thrown into the windshield. And so her whole face, she had major severe injuries to her face, and it 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 like barely missed her eye. It could have been really bad. Like she could have went blind from it. She dislo- dislocated her hip and she broke her wrist. Man. And she wasn't supposed uh, supposed to survive this, but through surgery she did survive. And her husband um, said that once she came out of surgery and she came to, she said. Jesus was here, Charlie. Don't worry. He took my hand and told me, not now. I have other things to do. She was in the hospital for a month, and then she was out of the spotlight for a total of six weeks, and then she ended up back on the Opry stage after six weeks. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine six weeks? That's it? That's it. Yeah. Oh, my and gosh. And I read somewhere else, because she would go on, like, around the time that she had the car crashes when she... Um, recorded one of her major albums and she was on crutches when she was in the recording studio. So I don't know. I don't know if she, she, I mean, she may have had to have been on crutches when she was on the Opry stage. I don't know. But uh, so her first appearance after six weeks was on the Opry, like I said, and she told the crowd that night, you're wonderful. I'll tell you one thing. The greatest gift I think that you folks could have given me was the encouragement that you gave me. Right at the very time I needed you most, you came through with f- the flyingest colors. And I was, and I just want to say, you'll never know how happy you made this old country gal. And I thought that was really sweet. Oh, man. I got to say that, you know, when she talks about Jesus, like, coming and visiting her, not visiting her, but, like, speaking to her, you know, when she was out of consciousness, like, that gets me every time. Really. And crazy. what? Once you hear, like, about her her premonitions and all this, it's kind of weird that she had that that vision or whatever it was, yeah. that, that sign from God. It was like him telling her, because she may have already thought that she was going to die early, and then she had that crash, and then he was like, yeah, it's going to happen, but not now. Yeah, exactly. Like the <laughs> you, wor- you got other stuff to do. Yeah, the words, not now, is what really mm-hmm. gets me. Like, it's like, wow. Yeah. Crazy, crazy. So, you remember I said that Hank Cochran um, co-wrote the song, I Fall to Pieces. Yes. Well, Hank Cochran was a writer and a song plugger for a company called Pamper Music. And Pamper Music had another writer named Willie Nelson. Oh. Have you ever heard of him? I think so. I think <laughs> so. Yeah. Just, he's, you know. He's like, you know, he's kind of big, but, you know. Anyway, this was Hank's connection to, or... Willie? Sorry. Hank was the connection Mm -hmm. between Patsy and Willie. Very cool. And Patsy was absolutely not a fan of Willie's songs at all. She (laughs) like... Really? (laughs) Getting a little... She did... Toked. (laughs) 
<laughs> she didn't like his songs at all. And her husband kept bringing her demos and Hank kept bringing her demos. And she just was not a big fan of them, especially the song Nightlife, mm. uh, which is a very well-known Willie Nelson song mm-hmm. now. Um, the reason she didn't like them is because they were all sad and they were all about losing love. And she didn't want, I guess she didn't want to sing about that. But then I think like, what do you sing about? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, there's other topics, but most songs are about that. So Hank was determined to get Patsy to sing Willie's songs. And the song that he was really like gung ho for was a song called crazy. And fun fact, it was originally called stupid. Really? Did you know that? No, I did not know Stupid. that. Stupid. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> I don't know. It's got and a I ring. Just, it does. <laughs> I'm going to sing that in traffic. I'm stupid. <laughs> I'm going to sing that in traffic. I honestly relate. <laughs> <laughs> so um, there's two stories of how it came to be that Patsy finally agreed to <laughs> singing Stupid or singing Crazy. Uh, one of them was that Hank brought... Willie over to Patsy's house. Willie sat in the car and Hank went, took the demo inside and was just really like pitching for this song. Mm-hmm. And then finally she invited Willie into the house and I guess they drank and kind of got to know each other more. And nice, nice. She finally agreed that way. The other way is that um, the other story, which was actually in like, I think Willie's autobiography was that he was at Tootsie's. Uh, which is a bar downtown. Hell yeah. And <laughs> it's a good bar. Sorry, it's a good bar. <laughs> it is. I love Tootsie's if it wasn't so freaking busy. Anymore. Well, that is true. But, okay. That is true. It's horrible. So he was in Tootsie's and at the bar he saw Charlie Dick sitting there. And so he decides to go over to the jukebox and he puts his demo on of Crazy. Oh, and really? this got Charlie took it to Patsy and from there. Da da da. So anyway, um, either way it happened, she agreed finally, and they began the recording process. They took a day. um, It was really, they were trying to get it it all done in a four-hour recording process at the Quonset Hut in Nashville. That's still like open now, but now it's like a music venue. Oh. And they worked with producer Owen Bradley. But unfortunately, this was when she, sorry, I'm like. (laughs) Are you crying? (laughs) Just kidding. I'm like so sad. Um, this was when she was on crutches and she had really sore ribs and she couldn't hit the notes because oh. her ribs hurt so bad. So Owen told her that she could go home and come back another day. What a, what a butthole. Yeah. So. Wow. I would have been like, sir, I'm on crutches. You're going to listen to me, okay? This became the song that Patsy was most known for. Mm-hmm. And it is the mo- one of the most royalty-generating songs in country music. Ooh. It hit number two on the Billboard country charts and number nine on the Billboard pop charts. Wow, really? It's a fun and at this point, Patsy's career was in full force. Um, and between the years 1961 and 1962, there were several events that happened in her career. One was uh, the Grand Ole Opry. They had their own show at Carnegie Hall. And reading this, and it made Patsy mad, and it made me just as mad. So when they were, like, advertising for this show of the Grand Ole Opry at Carnegie Hall, there was this news reporter set that said, watch out, y'all, the hillbillies are coming, or something like that. To that effect, it it was really, 
like the way I said it seemed kind of nice, but it was really demeaning. Yeah, sounds it like made, it. it. It made Patsy so mad, but she was glad that they sold out the show. Um, between those years, she released She's Got You, which is another hit song. She bought a ranch home in Goodlettsville. And she was supposed to be, there was a movie contract at one point, but there was some kind of drama about the producer got the money and then ran off with it. And so it just kind of, it didn't come to fruition. So Randy Hughes, to make up for that, he got her a headlining gig in Vegas. And it was for 35 days. Mm, And she really hated it because she was homesick and she missed her kids. However, this made her the first woman in country to headline. And I just want to mention, she was the forerunner for many country women that headline in Vegas. Reba McIntyre has done it. I think Shania Twain's done it. Um, Little Big Town, they have women in there anyway. Has Carrie but, Underwood. And then Carrie Underwood has, and Miranda Lambert just got done with hers. Oh, yeah. So if it wasn't for Patsy, wow. they wouldn't have got there. So Thank you, cool. Patsy. And it was during a time when men were like the leaders, you know? Yeah, I mean... And it's still kind of that way, but, I mean, I feel It like, is. You know, it's a very um, good old boys club sometimes, you know? It's yeah. like, okay. But we're here, too. Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to talk about um, the main topic of our show today was the fact that Patsy Klein felt that she was going to die early. She had premonitions of this. Mm. And so while all this success was coming her way, she was also being very vocal to her friends and starting to discuss the feeling that she felt her life was almost over. And she began to give away her belongings. And once on a flight, it was a Delta flight, she wrote out her will on some of the flight stationery that they have. Wow, really? And yeah, close friends, uh, Loretta Lynn and June Carter Cash confirmed that she had disclosed to them that she did not expect to live much longer. That's so crazy. And just to, I know. <laughs> and there was many instances of Patsy uh, talking about her death. And I was going to read one just because I found it really crazy. Yeah. Crazy. And I wanted to, I wanted, <laughs> just get it. Crazy. Stupid. <laughs> uh, let me go to it. I wanted to get it correct. So I'm just going to get it like directly from the source here. So... Patsy Klein had backup singers. They they backed up on a lot of different people, but they're called the Jordanaires. Mm-hmm. And one of the Jordanaires, he said, During Crazy, she walked in on her crutches and said, Fellas, the third time is charmed. I asked her, What in the world are you talking about? You've got a cat's nine lives. We all laughed, and Patsy got to talking about an illness she had when she was 10, about the car wreck she survived, and she said, The third time is charmed. The third time I go. It'll be all she wrote. Mm-hmm. So... She had, um, I don't think I've mentioned it yet, she had a really bad case of rheumatic fever when she was like around 10 years old, and she thought it was going to kill her. So that was number one. Then her car crash was number two, and she just had this feeling that the third accident she was going to have was going to take her out. Mm-hmm. Her little uh, will, mm-hmm. her last will on the flight, she talked about what she wanted to happen to her children, what she wanted to happen to her finances, where her jewelry would go where her furniture would go and who her clothes would go to. Jeez. And the only thing she wanted to go to Charlie Dick was whatever car they had. Mm. Uh, she disclosed that Charlie was physically, verbally abusive and that he was using or like taking all their money. He was 
very like he he never thought about anyone but himself and so to me i'm like was she scared he was gonna kill her or something oh that's a good point but i'm just because he did he really I beat her to once ch- and it like black yeah. and blue her face it just it gives me i listen to a lot of crime podcasts and what is that case where the girl there was a lady that was like she just felt like if like if she dies, this is what happened, or she was like preparing everything um, for when it happened, and it just kind of reminded me of that. But I could be making up things here. I just thought about it. So this leads us to her death, her early death. I thought she was part of the twenty seven club or the twenty eight club, but she's not. Oh, I don't know why I thought that. She was thirty years old when she died. But this is the story of how it happened in nineteen sixty three. There was a DJ named Cactus Jack Call, and he had died in a car crash. And on March 3rd of 1963, there was a benefit concert in Kansas involving many stars. There was like George Jones and a bunch of other big names, but they were trying to bring money together and all the proceeds would go to the family of uh, Cactus Jack Call. Hmm. So Patsy performed at 2 o'clock, 5.15 and 8.15. I don't know what kind of benefit this was. I don't know if she was doing her whole set three different times or if she like went on, did a song yeah, off stage, went on. It's kind of weird, but it could have been, I guess opera shows are kind of like that in some ways. I don't know. Um, so she was there all day on the third and she was supposed to fly out on the fourth, but couldn't due to intense fog conditions. Can you explain what the 27 or 28 club is? Yes. So it is a list of celebrities that have died at the age of 27. It's called the 27 Club. Oh, okay, okay. This includes um, Jim Morrison, Kurt Cobain, Amy Winehouse, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin. Wow, I honestly did not know Amy Winehouse was that young, but okay. Anyway. Honestly, Hopefully that's correct. I'm. I just looked it up real quick on Wikipedia. So hopefully that is correct. Nobody. Comes hey, I, I graduated from college from Wikipedia. So sugar <laughs> die. Honestly, same. <laughs> Come for me. Okay. So, so okay. She was supposed to fly out. So she had the day of the performance on the third. She was supposed to fly on the 4th, but it was too foggy. And on that day, Dottie West said, you know, she was going to drive back to Nashville. And she said that uh, Patsy could join her. And Patsy said, don't worry about me, Hoss. When it's my time to go, it's my time. She called everybody Hoss, which uh, I love. (laughs) I like that, too. So on March 5th, Klein, along with Hank Shaw Hawkins, Cowboy Copas, and her manager, Randy Hughes, climbed into a Piper PA-24 Comanche plane. Hmm. For all you plane folks, that may mean something. But to me, it I just know it was a puddle jumper. It was a small plane. Yeah. Hughes, her manager, was also a pilot, so he would be flying that day. Hughes decided to stop in Dyersburg, Tennessee, to check weather and to refuel. The FFA informed Hughes that visibility was low and they absolutely did not recommend him to continue. But Hughes was bound and determined to get back to Nashville and I think he was just honestly stubborn. And he said if they got in the air and they couldn't make it, he would just turn back. They were 90 miles outside of Nashville when Hughes lost control of the aircraft and crashed into a wooded area in Candom, Tennessee. 
Investigations led to the ruling that the crash was due to the pilot's poor decision and he didn't know how to properly fly a plane, mm. basically. Dang. They're basically like, this was that Hughes guy's fault. He was told not to do this. Called out. Yeah. So that's the story of her death. But she did have a legacy that went on and there's so much more to her story and there's so much more drama after her life. But today's episode was more about the craziness of her knowing that she was going to die. But I did want to mention some of her legacy. Um, She was the first woman to headline in Vegas. Like I already said, first woman to be inducted to the country music hall of fame. First woman to be inducted into the Virginia country music hall of fame. Uh, in 1985, she had a biopic that starred Jessica Lange as Patsy. Mm-hmm. Sweet dreams. She had, yeah. I finally I watched a little bit of it. I didn't watch it all. Did you? Did you watch the whole thing? I did watch the whole thing, and I find it interesting and also a tad annoying the fact that there's all these facts out there, like you're saying, right? But in the movie, mm-hmm. they depict them differently. So they depict the plane. Um, having like a malfunction they don't depict it where it's yeah then they depict that Hmm. they flew into the side of a mountain so there's that you know and it's like it's Mm -hmm. just interesting to me why don't they yeah show what really happened like one of the best biopics is coal miner's daughter and i believe it's because loretta was around to kind of direct mm, good point good and point. tell the truth about it and johnny and june i don't were they around they may have been around but they were really old i love the i love walk the line that's a good one too but mm-hmm. i just couldn't tell if it was uh the sweet dreams movie was genuine or right. if it was being really dramatized right. i felt like it was really cheesy oh it was definitely I don't know. I just, cheesy but i couldn't get into it as much as like coal miner's daughter i mean sissy spacek as as loretta lynn was amazing yes um, and I wanted to discuss, we didn't go, so a lot of most, like, things you hear about Patsy Klein is related to Loretta Lynn, because she was so close to Loretta Lynn, but today I didn't really want to go into that, even though I am Loretta Lynn's, like, you know, fave, like, I'm her biggest fan. I really wanted to focus on Patsy today, so that's why I didn't go into that. I didn't want to let anybody down, but that's why. <laughs> um, you know what's crazy, <laughs> though, is I read that... Patsy really wanted to know Loretta Lynn, wanted to become her friend. She literally asked her husband to go pick her up so that they could meet and become friends. And let me tell you, mm-hmm. if I could tell Jeff to just go pick somebody up because I want to get to know them. Hey, go pick up Dolly Parton, please, because I want to get to know her. <laughs> I'll make her ham and chicken lasagna. It'll be amazing. I would do it in our opinion. Yeah, in, in the Colmire's Daughter, they depicted as... Loretta was playing on the Opry, and Patsy Klein was laying in bed after her crash. She was listening to the Opry, and she was in the hospital. She was laying there, and she was like, go get, go get Loretta. Yeah. Okay, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, she would, after her death, obviously, she would get the Lifetime Achievement Award from the Academy of Recording Arts and Sciences. She would be inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame, and in 2005... Her greatest hits album was released and it sold 10 million copies. Wow. Amazing. So, I mean, she really does now, have like a one of a kind voice. 
She really does. And she was able to cross that line between country and pop really elegantly. Mm -hmm. But it was so good to do this episode because I've been singing Patsy Cline songs since like middle school, but I really didn't know all these details. So it was kind of cool to learn more about her. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think she... I mean, I really didn't know much about her. That's why you kind of took this episode and handled all of it. But I did watch that movie. I'm that kid in class. You know, you, you're the one that reads. Mm-hmm. I'm the one that watches the movie based on the book <laughs> and writes a book report and gets like a C. You know, that's who I am. Uh, unless it's something I'm like really gung-ho about, like theater. Oh, I love oh yeah. But if I was to read about theater... I feel like my head would spin. Explode. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot that goes into it. but So I was going to ask, have you ever had any kind of premonition or any kind of dream that ended up being real? Um, actually, all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it's called, but th- I will literally have dreams, okay? And they're so realistic and they're so real. And then I will have that deja vu like three years later. really weird. It is the wildest thing. And I don't know what it is. I don't know. I hate when people... I mean, I know there's a lot of believers out there with yeah. theories, but... I hate when people say, they like try to, the scientificness of it. They're like, it's just that your, your deja vu is just when your brain kind of like, it's, it tries to catch up with itself. It's like no. What? It's like you your brain is behind for a minute and then it'll you or you've already thought of something and it, it tries to catch up with itself. I don't know. I don't know the science of it, but I've heard that before. I'm like, there's no way. I've literally lived this moment before. It was either in a dream or something. Okay, well, if my brain is three years <laughs> behind me, I'm a little worried for myself. That's, <laughs> That's all I gotta say. <laughs> you so know? This is kind of, uh, uh, I don't want to talk about a sensitive subject, but I kind of do just because this was a crazy moment. So my sister, Helen, when we were, I was seven, she was, no, I was eight. She was probably seven or six. She had a dream one night that one of my best friends, her brother died. She had two brothers, Mm. okay? And we're going to say this friend his name start his name was Corey, okay? She had a dream that Corey died. Okay. And the other friend's or the other brother's name was um make it up a name. Will, Will. Okay. I could I literally couldn't yeah. think of one. So she had that dream. The next night that family was in a plane crash. Stop. And not that brother but the other bro- brother died. Corey or Will? Will. So she oh. had the dream the night before that Corey died. Oh, 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 oh. And then the next day, they had a plane crash, and Will died. Holy cow. And they they were triplets. Like, my friend, and she was, she was a triplet with, it was her and then two boys. I mean, that's freaky. close enough, you know? Mm-hmm. Close enough to be freaky. <laughs> Yeah. Wow, that is that is very how did Helen feel? I remember I think freaked out. She was kinda young and I was just it was kind of a weird moment in life. I would feel like I was like, psychic or something. 
Mm-hmm. Like I'd be scared She's of myself. She's had a lot of moments like that. Listen, I'm yeah. so scared of the human brain. I, I mm-hmm. am more scared of the human brain than I am our oceans in space. You know, there's just really? so much. Yeah, because your brain is so powerful and can honestly be so harmful to yourself. Mm-hmm. Like it's like yeah. a weapon that can turn on you. It is crazy, crazy. Oh, One of my man. biggest fears, which this I guess this is kind of related, but kind of not, is I think the scariest thing in life is to lose somebody and they don't die. You lose them by their, like, if they have a mental illness. You know, you see, like, people in Nashville, there's tons of homeless people mm-hmm. that come from a family. And that family probably may or may not want them around. But, like, that family has lost somebody that's not that they're not dead they right. just lost their way you know what i'm saying oh yeah yeah for sure like that's scary to me you know my grandmother she was getting dementia and that's scary because mm-hmm. it's like yeah, alzheimer's that comes oh my gosh yeah i can't imagine if you know if my parents or somebody got alzheimer's That'd be my sad. grandma had it and she had 14 kids and i think 68 grandkids and she family. did not re- <laughs> she um i remember it, it was like the hardest day of my life was when i went up to her and she didn't know who i was but she was still such an angel she was literally an angel i know everybody says that about her gra- their grandma but my grandma was literally a saint she was so you know she thought i was a stranger but she was still so sweet to me well then it was like she was on her deathbed and we were in the hospital and she could name all her kids crazy and they say that happens like people get back like right before they die they can get back Mm. you know there was a lot of stuff my grandmother couldn't remember but if you sat her in front of a piano she could remember so Mm -hmm. much she would just start playing and it was incredible incredible i love that like that just shows the power of music there yeah there is a very big power in music Mm -hmm. there is i wish there were more believers in music out there especially for school and stuff you know oh yeah i don't know Man. and this is, sounds cheesy but i literally don't know what i would have done without i went to a very i went to a public school but it was very well funded in the arts we had recording studios what Mm-hmm. wow like no. we were a public school city school we had uh recording studios and you could go in and this was my senior year we didn't have it the whole time i was there but my senior year they got them and we had like three and they were they're called practice rooms, but they were like record. You could record in there, and you could m- change the sound of the room to make it sound like you were in an auditorium. Shut up, <laughs> or you know, change the atmosphere. Then we had a black box theater. We had a regular theater. What bougie school yeah. did you go to? <laughs> Owensboro High School. Oh my gosh, I was learning hot yeah, cross know. buns on the recorder. I don't know what you're doing, <laughs> making albums at your high school. <laughs> Yeah, I skipped all my other classes to go hang out in the in. I was a I was a artsy, artsy, artsy. artsy. Not, I wasn't really good at. I did some like actual like art, like painting and drawing classes, but I was always down in like the little art wing because I did dance, drama, and I did all the choir classes. So I was always. I there. was in show choir. Anyway. <gasps> Me too. Yes, dude. I remember we did a whole ABBA theme one year. Ooh. ABBA. It was pretty dope. It's pretty dope. I thought I was hot shit when I got the Footloose solo, <laughs> dance solo. 
like you're walking down the hallway, slow motion, flipping your hair. All the 13-year-old boys are like, wow, that's Whitney. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're probably like, who is that girl? It's okay. I played the youngest daughter in Fiddler on the Roof. And my parents did not think mm-hmm. that I could sing. And then I remember them <laughs> watching. <laughs> hey, listen. Keith and Rose. Hey, they're honest, okay? That's why I'm so honest. Listen. I see where you get it from. <laughs> right? <laughs> Honey, you can't <laughs> sing. No, they never told me that. But they came to watch me. And I will never forget the look on my parents' faces when I sang my solo. But I will say... Like, you are the singer in this relationship, so I'm not even going <laughs> to sing. But I was really putting it on for this boy named Elijah Daniels. Oh, mm, he was the hottest hot thing in eighth grade. Oh, my God. Oh, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> I retract my statement. What were you saying? What did you say? I said that's a hot name, but um, we're talking about an eighth grader, but I guess he's older now. Okay, but, but imagine yourself in eighth grade, okay? Like, we're yeah. we're not being weird, you know? He was <laughs> so hot. And I met him at the skate rink. Woo-wee. Oh. Elijah Daniels. Mm-hmm. He had the locker. That sounds three like... Three lockers down from me. <sighs> lockers. Did I still use those? I think so. But he was like that cool kid that you see in school or in the in the movies where all he does is like bang on the locker and it opens wow what a hottie mctoddy oh my god and he was my boyfriend for like eight straight months it was the best relationship (laughs) i can't wait till jeff edits oh are you kidding me jeff's known me for a long time jay's known me for 11 years he's like saying it all you know nothing surprises him anymore but yeah elijah Daniels. i don't know if we've mentioned it but jeff Liz's husband edits for us, and God bless him. <laughs> he made us sound good in that trailer, which just naturally sounded good. But I was a hot mess in the trailer, y'all. You don't need it, but I think it, I'm just in theater. I'm used to like putting it on and you know making announcements. Mm-hmm. Listen, I did theater, and I was god awful. My sister Helen is the actress, mm-hmm. and I'm the singer. Okay, and she can. But here's the thing: she can sing too. So she's really a triple threat. Can she dance? I'm just the singer. She can dance too. Okay, yeah, she is a triple threat, and she's so sweet. So she, whatever, Helen, you got to get it all. Ooh. Helen, whatever. She's gonna listen to this and be like, okay. Sorry. And she was the skinny one growing up. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> it's okay. My sister was the skinny one too. Actually, I will tell you this. <laughs> My mom may kill me, but oh my gosh, bless my grandmother. Okay, listen, I uh, don't even worry. Don't come for us in the comments and be like, oh my gosh, are you okay? I'm fine. But we were at um, a funeral and my grandmother goes, oh, this is Elizabeth. She's the sweetest. She's the sweetest. Now, where is Lord? She Come meet my pretty granddaughter. <laughs> oh! oh my gosh. <laughs> literally and it was like one of those like moments where like okay cool (laughs) i'll just sit here and be funny (laughs) (laughs) you know what i've had moments like that oh my god are you kidding me i was like thank you grandmother thanks (laughs) (laughs) you're getting a butter dish for christmas (laughs) i'm just kidding i was in like eighth grade you know, the, pr- the prime, like, insecure years? Yeah, yeah, that's when that was. It wasn't like, <laughs> well, I'm 30 and s- super secure with myself. 
Okay, so my grandpa, we I don't know why. This is the stupidest gift. So my grandpa, we there was the we went and met the governor of Kentucky at the time. I don't know why this was an event, but we went to the convention center in our where we lived in Somerset and we met we met Arnie Fletcher who was the Kentucky governor at the time. Well, anyway, we got a picture with him. It was like a star-studded event, you know? Mm-hmm. And we got it framed, and I'm wearing this <laughs> leather jacket, and my cheeks are really red and puffy, and my hair is just, like, slicked back in a low ponytail. I look like fucking George Washington, okay? <laughs> Tell me my, my parents framed it and gave it to my grandpa, and he said, I'm going to put this out in the cornfield to scare away the crows. <laughs> Oh my god, was, Grandpa! I hurt. Yeah, my grandpa. Oh my god! Listen, my that's did why not care what he said. You and I have the thickest skin, I swear, because <laughs> of this stuff. Um, Our own grandparents. Up, as a merit, you have to have thick skin. And a, okay, so my mom's a ward. Coming from these two families, you cannot. Oh my god, growing up a Fletcher? Are you kidding me? Oh. <laughs> I swear. <laughs> Oh gosh. You go to our family this reunions is... and it's like, okay. <laughs> Scared straight. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Love you too. <sighs> oh my gosh. Good times, good times. Well, do you want to get on to the uh our stories, our our, our... news articles? <laughs> yeah. Our big old Nashville news. I had a hard time finding any. I'm like, I know Nashville's crazy. Come on now. Here's the thing. Every story on Scoop Nashville now is drunk, drunk. Are we calling out Scoop Nashville? Yeah, we are. <laughs> drunk. They're going to come for us. You can come for me then. Make your stories more interesting. They used to be hilarious, okay? Like, I worked <laughs> with a guy that beat his girlfriend with a dildo. And that was on what? Scoop Nashville. And that was like six years ago. That's when Scoop Nashville was good, okay? <laughs> Now it's like drunken disorderly, drunken disorderly, drunken disorderly. It's like well, it's no, no like, shit. Obviously, it's obvious. If all your stories about are about Broadway, then yeah, they're all drunken disorderly. <laughs> so moving on, I guess here's <laughs> here's my drunken disorderly. Honestly, the only <laughs> reason I'm bringing it up is because of the bar. And we'll get on to that in a minute. Mm. So this kid, 22, outside of Kid Rock's bar, and everybody in Nashville right now is going, oh, God, oh, Kid Rock. Bang, bang, diggy, diggy. Sorry, I was a big Kid Rock fan. Were you? Are you still? My, no. <laughs> I don't <laughs> believe you. In my you. younger days, my brother's been to like five concerts of Kid Rock's. Oh, Josh. Okay. <laughs> Kid Rock's bar in downtown Nashville late Friday night as he approached Metro Nashville police officers working in the area and shoulder checked them. Come on, kid. Shoulder checked them just like like, when you take your shoulder and you like bump it into them like shoulder check. Shoulder checked them while telling them there was a fight in the area. Why are you shoulder checking police officers anyway? Okay, anyway, he's 22. Come on. He bumped into the elbows and shoulders of multiple officers while causing a disturbance among the general public in the area. The only person attempting to fight in the area, guess it, was him. Are you shocked? No. Officers advised him to move along and go home. But Porter refused and continued to be drunk and say it with me now disorderly disorderly as police explained he was being taken into custody for public intoxication porter pulled away and mm, resisted arrest 
guys, if you're being arrested, please don't resist. It literally makes it worse. It literally makes it worse. Yeah, what's, what's the logic there? <laughs> I know. Once in custody, <laughs> Porter repeatedly asked why he was, while he was cuffed, if it was illegal to be drunk in Nashville on a Friday night <laughs> <laughs> and stated that he had been drinking beer. Can you just this imagine a genius. this kid, 22, he's cuffed and he's like, what, what is it? What is it? Is it like, <laughs> you know, uh, illegal to be drunk on a Nashville, in Nashville on a Friday night, bro? I just had some beers. I just had some brewskis. Like, <laughs> okay, kid. Yeah, it is illegal. It's oh called public intoxication, honey, bunny. I know you've only been legal to drink for a year, but let's get and, it. Uh, you shoulder check some cops. Yeah, to tell them there was a fight. You're starting a fight, my dude. You're you, starting you a fight. You like... There's millions of drunks around you, and the cops aren't going after them. They're going after the ones that shoulder check them, that draw attention to them. Oh, my gosh. Okay, if, <sighs> if you do not follow an Instagram page called Broadway Uncensored 2, you have to put mm. the 2 because Broadway Uncensored got kicked off or canceled, not canceled, <laughs> okay. but like they deleted their account. Um, Broadway Uncensored 2, y'all. I mean, if you are thinking <laughs> about visiting Nashville, I encourage you very strongly to go on Broadway Uncensored 2's Instagram and check it out. Ch -ch 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 check it out, okay? <laughs> because that may persuade you on what you decide to do down in Nash Vegas. And that's going to be a whole, uh, hell no. Mm -hmm. It used to be fun. Used to be, but now, I mean, oh my God, the locals, we, guys, we avoid the freaking Broadway strip. Uh, like it is a plague. plague. Yeah, for sure. And it's it's literally, when I, I left, uh, I moved in 2019, no, 2018. Oh my December God, really? 2018. Mm -hmm. oh, okay. Yeah. It was uh, so when I left then, it was nuts and I barely went down there. Now I went down there for a conference for a job that I had. <laughs> and <laughs> I can't to talk about that one because I, <laughs> I signed an NDA with that one second. <laughs> moving on. Moving on. Anyway, anyway. So um, I went down, I was like, what in the heck has happened? There's that shopping center now there across from the Ryman. Yeah, Fifth and Broadway. Like a food court. It's yes. That used to be a little convention center that had been run down for 20 years. I know. Why like, couldn't they just leave nothing. it? Anywho, this all reminded me that we took, which you finished out the courses, we took tour, Nashville tour classes. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am, I did. I sure and did. And I retained about. Yes, Shelby and you were gung-ho, and y'all got your pins. Mm -hmm. I moved, like, a little bit halfway through, so I did not complete it. Didn't retain any of information. Yeah. All I remember is we went to, a, I, I went to, a, I got some pins. I got, I think, one or two. Did we get pins every class? No. You had to graduate. Oh, well, I didn't get a pin. I got a badge. You got a little lanyard. Yeah. I know for sure I got something. I yeah, got a lanyard. you got a lanyard. Y'all got the pins. Mm -hmm. I was jealous. Um, all I remember is we went to class. Then after class, we went to eat Hattie B's. Yes. 
And that that was the highlight of that story. Yeah, because okay, well let me let me explain <laughs> a little bit. So at the Grand Ole Opry, I cannot for the life of me figure, remember if my first class was mandated by me being in the tour department or if it was mandated by us being in the shop. I can't remember who made us go to the first session. I don't remember either. But basically, if you go to the visitor center, the visitor center is downtown on Broadway connected to Bridgestone Arena. Go Predators. And you can go in there and you can take these like Nashville information courses. Okay. And there's like 10 of them. And there's different courses for different areas around town, different things to do in Nashville, blah, 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 blah. And once you take all 10 courses, then you graduate, you get the official title of being a Nashville ambassador, and you get a little microphone lapel pin. Okay? So, the classes are free. You just have to sign up for them. And we -hmm. had to go to two. I know I was in the shop when we had to go to one, to one Mm -hmm. of them. But, yeah. I definitely went to two because I remember one was sitting there in the auditorium of the Opry and then one was back in Studio A. Studio, yeah. Okay. So, yes. So, then I was in the shop then. So, um, Alana? Yes. Okay. Alana and Whitney made us do these. Um, Yeah. I don't know why. But anyway, I won't. Well, I won't probably because we're in the shop and people ask us what to do all the oh, dang true, time. True, true. You know, and it's like, <laughs> I don't know. Go to Broadway, yeah, have fun, yeah. have a blast. So we had to do uh, these. And Shelby and I are just overachievers, okay? Like, mm-hmm. Shelby is a Ravenclaw through and through, my dude. She loves learning, she's very good at it. And. I wanted to do them because I just thought it was fun and I, I'm an overachiever and I'm a Hufflepuff and uh, I just have to see things through. I have no clue what I am. I took the test. Don't remember. You said you're I'm a sure Gryffindor, but I hope you're not. Mm. I'm sure you've, um, you know how people psychoanalyze people? Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've Harry Potter analyzed me. I have a little bit, but it's, I'm going to make you take the quiz when you get here. Okay. <laughs> Maybe we can watch the movie so I can really get into it. Okay. Get into the moment. Are you kidding me? Twist we, my arm. We'll have a whole. Th- <laughs> we'll have a whole day. We can have a whole night. We can save all night. Watch them. Have us a little Harry Potter marathon. Anyway, um, yeah, because I always like felt left out. I'm sorry, and it's my own fault because I've not watched them. What for the not Harry Potter just, thing? Oh, yeah, like I f- everybody's always talking about Harry Potter, and I'm just like, um, I remember Prisoner of Azkaban. And that's the only movie I remember. Well, I, that's unfortunate. I'm sorry. We will watch all of them. <laughs> Actually, the first movie is like one of my favorite. And it's such a good Halloween movie, too. There's like a whole like Halloween a great hall scene. It's super cool. Mm. So, yeah, we will definitely do that. Cool. Well, I kind of have two stories. Um, they're kind of news. It was hard this time to find news. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. But I wanted to mention these two. So, have you ever heard of McCammy Manor? No. McCammy Manor? No. So, I was at the hospital today for four hours getting a stomach test. And <laughs> So, I had a lot of time on my hands. <laughs> so, I was looking, I was on TikTok a lot, and I was making, I was doing a lot of work on this podcast, actually, <laughs> the whole day. And, um, but I got on TikTok for a little bit, and there was this video of this lady, and 
she has her face is swollen, her lips are swollen. I'm sorry, it's not funny, but it was kind of funny because she's like, "Hey guys, I just made it back from the McCamey Manor." Her head is shaven. She has loser wrote across her face. What? Okay? So basically, it's a haunted house okay. in Tennessee. It has a ten-year waiting list. Oh, get out! A forty-page waiver. Get out! And basically, you sign up to be for these people to beat you up. Are you serious? To actually, to actually torture you, they rip your fingernails off. <gasps> Are you serious? You're giving me nightmares. This is no, real. I'm being dead serious. Yeah, look it up. And the only okay, so the guy, look up the the guy that who his name is McCamey or whatever McCamey. How do you spell it? He looks like M C C A M E Y. Okay. McCamey? I don't know. McCamey, something like that. I can send you articles about it. Oh my God. But I, I kind of want to dig more into it, but also I hate that kind of stuff. Who does that? It's like, he, I don't know. And all, so you don't get charged to go into it. He does ask that you bring dog food for his dogs. Stop. Stop. <laughs> anyway, who? Okay, yeah, the guy that did, <laughs> the guy that does it is a wacko. But if you sign up for this, I'm sorry, you're just we can't be friends. Weird. We cannot be friends. You are. I, that's whack. why. <laughs> that's why I'm laughing at the girl. She has her her lips are so swollen. She's like, hey, guy, and like her. <laughs> You've got to send me this TikTok. I'll have to put it on Instagram for everybody to see it after this episode. Uh, yes. Wait. I actually, I took a screenshot because I couldn't, for some reason, it wouldn't let me download the video. Um, but I took a screenshot of her face because I was like, oh my gosh, what the heck? Bro, I'm disturbed. So anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay, keep going though. The fingernails things. So I didn't want to end on that note. Um, there's some very exciting news that I found out that Nashville is getting a cereal bar. Oh! <gasps> I love some cereal. <laughs> and neither one of us live there anymore. <laughs> Shelby, oh, no. bring a cereal bar. <laughs> I will be driving there. I don't know what it is. Like, I could literally go to the store and buy all different kinds of cereals, but there's just something about it. Dude. It's just crazy. <sighs> Listen, I love cereal. Mm-hmm. I eat cereal for dinner sometimes. Oh, it's me light, too. But... Yeah, that sounds delicious. I'm like really messed up from this haunted house thing, though. How did oh, we just glaze it? We just mean- went right in the cereal bar. <laughs> <laughs> Yummy. I was like, so they pull their fingernails off. But anyway, in Nashville, they're opening a cereal bar. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like that sounds like a freaking conversation you overhear at the settler <laughs> with like all these bachelorettes. Honestly. R.I.P. the settler. Didn't it close? Morgan Williams used to live above that, and we went, and it was really good. I think it's really overrated, but I, I, oh. I'm also like not a um, trendy eater. Does that make sense? Same. Okay, you know Edley's, Edley's yes. barbecue, Epley's, whatever Edley's, the hell it yeah. was. That was not good. I don't care. They give you a little two inch piece of meat, a little piece of cornbread. That's not a meat and three, my guy. Yeah. If I'm going for I want them to slop it on the plate like a dang lunch lady. Yeah, yeah. We're from the South. Let's not let's (laughs) not keep doing this trendy stuff. Okay. You gotta give us Southerners a real plate. 
like Jack's, they got it up there like you're at, you know, at school. They're slopping it on the plate. Mm-hmm. Is that good, honey? And I'm like, yes, it a is. A little more, actually. <laughs> Jack's is my fave. I actually really mm-hmm. like Mission Barbecue. I think they're delicious. And mm. they are supporters of the they, military. And I am a military brat, so. I have a vivid memory of us being there. It was when I was leaving the Opry for the first time. <laughs> I love the Opry PTS times, but um, <laughs> how many times? Uh, like three, two, three, two, three, two, three. Wait, it was two. Okay, it was two. It felt like three, but it was two. Um, I probably wanted to leave it a third time, but <laughs> yeah. Um, but you, I was leaving um, because I couldn't afford Nashville anymore. <laughs> See, to be quite honest, and I was moving home and I was really sad. And then Bobby Osborne is like one of my favorite performers, which I've said before. See, we're circling back to the beginning of the episode. Mm, good old rock I, I love Bobby Osborne. Uh, Liz got me to go backstage and meet him. And we went, we after work, we went and ate at Mission Barbecue. And then we went to meet him. Listen, do you remember this? Oh, do I? I mean, Okay. I still have my picture with my boyfriend back there. You know, Bobby. Good old Bobby. <laughs> Bobby and I have been f- together forever. He's swaggy. Um, yes. I love Bobby Osborne so much. And I do not mean this um, in a horrible way. I actually mean this as a compliment. But with his big rimmed hats, he kind of looks like the Hamburglar. Yes. Yeah. That's what West and I always used to say. He looks like a mob um, We boss. plan on doing an fashion episode, Nashville fashion episode, and... Ooh, we should talk about... That's your bottom dollar. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be mentioning Bobby Osborne, because mm-hmm. he comes with the swagger. I need to try to get his son, Bobby Osborne Jr., on here. I really like him. He's very sweet. So, not to go... Because we're really... We're talking a lot, but I love talking, so whatever. Um, I'm just worried about Jeff. <laughs> No, we've done so what? well this episode. You kidding me? Oh, we'll just have to edit cool. like one part. <laughs> cool. Well, I'll keep the story short. So I was working the cash register in the Opry shop, and then Bobby Osborne Jr. comes up into my line, and I'm like, I said something like to Kathy, which, hey Kathy, Opry if you Mama, to this, <laughs> my girl. And I said, I wish I could go backstage with him, and she mentions it. She says, she says, take her backstage with you. And he's like, okay, come on. I This is my biggest pet peeve with my time at the Opry. <laughs> I was such a rule follower. Oh, like, I wanted man. to follow the rules because I was like, if I ever want to be on the Opry one day, I don't want them to look back on this because there's a whole story about Dirk Bentley getting fired from the Opry because he kept talking to the stars. I had a chance to go backstage, and I did not take it. And with Bobby Osborne Jr., not to yes. mention... That's the thing. If you're with someone like that, they would not have said a single thing. I know, but I'm. We just only such got a in nerd. trouble if we went back there by ourselves and we're trying to be a germ, like uh, half of the Opry staff was trying to do. <laughs> and then, literally, another story. I could go on and on. I was sitting there and I was, um, I was working the door. You know how we had to control like how many people came in the shop. Mm-hmm. I look over at the bar and there's freaking Uncle Jesse. John Stamos standing oh. at the bar. Didn't say a word to him, which I didn't, really didn't want to do at the time. But I told somebody the other day about that. And they're like, you didn't get a picture with him? I was like, well, I wouldn't have gotten a picture with him. But I probably should have went up and said hi. Yeah. 
See, or something. But I don't know. I was too much of a role follower. That's the other thing is like, you know, people find out that we work at the Opry and they're like, oh, we're, I need to see all your pictures. I don't have many pictures. Mm-mm. I literally have like three pictures with people. One of them is Charlie Daniels. Mm-hmm. But I had to wait. My tour manager was so psychotic about that kind of stuff mm-hmm. that like we would wait a full year before we post anything so that we wouldn't get in trouble. <laughs> that is smart. Yeah. Yep. Hmm. So I waited a, like a whole, actually I didn't wait that long with Charlie Daniels. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, everyone's going to know this one. <laughs> but he he oh liked my God. red hair. He said, "I like your red hair." I said, "Oh, thank Aww. you." I he said, uh, "Was he sweet?" Oh my gosh, he's the sweetest. He made us brownies once. He made the um, the tour people brownies once. Aww. Brought him backstage, but he is the sweetest guy. We have two of his bows. He gave one bow to Jeff, and he gave one bow to me. After he played Devil Went Down, I'm I'm in love with mm. him. Like he's the Opry grandpa, and I love him so much. He's one of the sweetest people I ever met. But yeah, he was like, "Come on in here." And w- one of his band members said, "Do you want me to take a picture of you and Charlie?" And I said, oh. "I said I would love that, but I don't want to get in trouble." And he said, "Nah, you're not going to get in trouble. <laughs> Give me your phone." And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> so I did. See, it. I and this is 100 percent true. The artists don't really care. It's management it's management that cares oh yeah because they don't want to get in trouble well they don't want to get in trouble so, but then they also mm. i i had a manager that i think was jealous but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like bailey do you remember bailey yes my friend bailey well after she had quit she well, was I'm- no longer a tour guide okay no longer okay. working for the grand Ole opry well she was working for someone else backstage she also knew um the travis family randy travis and mary travis okay. very sweet people and so she was back there and she was like just talking or whatever well our manager got so mad i'm like she literally doesn't work here anymore you literally have no jurisdiction over her yeah anymore it was so stupid. But, you know, good old times at the Grand Ole Opry. <laughs> I miss it. I, here's the thing. On this podcast, you'll hear us talk a lot of shit. But it's this weird thing where we have a love-hate relationship. Oh, 100%. With Nashville and the Opry. 100%. Like, I am the biggest fan of the Opry. I am the biggest fan of Nashville. But at the same time... There's, I want, we're like, that's the thing we, we wanted to talk about. We wanted to spill the tea about what, yeah, it is this cool city and it is this, like, there's so much history and there's all this coolness around it, but there is, like, there's parts of it that you don't realize until you live there. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Of course. As with anything, you know. Yeah. But, well, anyway. Man, can you imagine I, what Patsy Klein would have done if she hadn't passed away so early? There's no telling. Mm-hmm. No telling. That's amazing. I feel like I, and I feel like this may be a really dumb thing to say. I feel like I related to her a lot. Really? Like, while reading her story, just like, she couldn't read music. I can't read music. <laughs> and just her, like, love of the Grand Ole Opry. That was mm. what I really I did not know she, with. she was as spunky as she was. And oh, I relate yeah. with, I relate to that because I'm very spunky and I don't hold back on anything. And... It definitely makes relationships, and it definitely breaks relationships. But 
I admire yeah. her for the cojones that she has. Oh, I wanted to mention this. So my, and I've said it 5 million times already on these two episodes. I love Loretta Lynn. Anybody knows me knows that. But anyway, while reading this book that I mentioned earlier about Patsy Cline, I found out some tea mm-hmm. about, so I already knew it a little bit. There was a story that I read. It was part of Loretta Lynn's autobiography about how when she first came to Nashville and was on the Opry, all the other women stars got together without her. Oh. And oh, and it, ma- it made me so mad. I was like, how could I do it? Well, anyway, in this book that I'm reading, Gene Shepard like, calls her out and was like, Loretta Lynn lied. That never happened. Da, 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 da. I was like, first of all, I don't come from my girl Loretta. But, I mean, who knows the truth? No, I mean, I don't want to say that Loretta's a liar or anything, but, you know, things could have got twisted. You never know who she heard that from. But I've always heard that Gene Shepard was kind of... She would spicy, yeah. <laughs> she would like. <laughs> Actually, I did tell hear you how that. It is. I did hear that when we were giving tours at the Ryman because every Christmas, like we said in the first episode, we would go to the Ryman and do our shows, which meant that the tour guides had to learn the Ryman tour as well. And so Golly. we would tell kind of that story, and basically, you know, the women were kind of catty and they were like why aren't you coming up to us you're you need to introduce yourself and she was like actually <laughs> y'all need to make me feel welcome because i'm the new one mm. so you're not setting a good example and it was like okay okay <laughs> <laughs> it's just weird to think because they're older women now and so like connie smith was mentioned in that like she was maybe like possibly involved in all that which <laughs> I believe it. I'm laughing for a reason, but I do believe it. Um, should that be a story we mention later on? Maybe. I don't know. Sure. But <laughs> I met Connie Smith uh, when I worked at Chick-fil-A. I gave her a, her milkshake. Anyway. So, but you see Connie Smith. She's like this older woman now. And you can't imagine that they, at one point there were all these like catty young women trying to make their spot on the Opry. Mm-hmm. You know? It's just, it's funny. No, she so. just made me laugh because... <laughs> Every time she's on the opera, she stays in the Wagon Master because she and Porter Wagner were such good friends, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was giving a tour once, Whitney. <laughs> Did she fart or something? No. no. Did you heard it? No, no, no. I was giving a tour. And when we give a tour, we have our like 15 people right in front of these dressing rooms while these stars are in them. So they feel like a freaking fish in a fish tank. It's got to be mm-hmm. so. Well, Connie Smith was not having it. That night, and she came over oh. and she shut the door on my door. <laughs> oh, and I go, I mean, okay, so in here's the green room, but I like very casually like wrapped it up in a pretty bow and kept moving on. But it honestly made me laugh so hard. <laughs> That's honestly a power move. I do love Connie. I'm not gonna lie, she is so funny. But that that I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, she has the right. I mean. You know, they want to see the stars, but she does have the right to shut the door. Absolutely, absolutely. She's been there so dang long. Oh, my gosh. And we were just kind of standing there forever. And, you know, everyone's, like, taking pictures of her. It's got to be the most awkward situation. So I don't blame Mm -hmm. her at all. It was just so funny. (laughs) (laughs) So I, uh, like I said, uh, I gave her her milkshake at at Chick-fil-A when I worked there. Was it your pleasure? And it was my pleasure. Mm -hmm. But I didn't notice her out in the lobby and I just read, like, it said Connie. And so I'm, like, looking around, and I go, Connie? 
Connie. <laughs> and then she turns around, and it was Connie Smith with little AirPods in. Oh, my gosh. And you could tell she was on her way to the Opry. Oh I really wanted to say, I'll see you there, because this was the time I was working Chick-fil-A in the morning. And then I would get off, go home, and get dressed and go to the Opry and work. That's so funny, Jeff. But I didn't want to be cheesy. Jeff and I saw um, John Connolly come out of there once. <laughs> waddling out with his drinks and chicken sandwiches he's so sweet listen country music stars love them chick-fil-a yeah they do ricky skaggs was always there getting a little milkshake well ricky is married um, to connie so i just love that i guess they love their milkshakes no marty stewart is married marty to. my bad mm-hmm. my bad jason aldean came through the drive-thru kelly clarkson mm. kelly clarkson mm-hmm. kelly clarkson Well, this was a good episode. It was. Thanks Um, for telling me about Patsy. Oh, you're welcome. I feel so much more, like, in tune with her. You know? Yeah. Like, I could say I I knew stuff, but I didn't know all that. Yeah, me neither. Um, Again, I wanted to mention um, that we will post all of our research sources on our Facebook. Mm -hmm. And Instagram. I feel like that... And Instagram, those will be the easiest way for y'all to see in case you're interested um, in where we got info. We'll be compiling it there. We will also be doing our partner post. So anytime we upload an episode, there will also be a post that accompanies it on our Instagram page. Mm-hmm. Um, also, we are asking for people to send us stories. Any and If you all live in stories. Nashville. And one, we want... Any stories about a crazy experience with a tourist. It could be funny. It could be sweet. It could be wild. It could be they were rude. Whatever it is, if it was memorable to you, please send it to our email. Okay. Which is? Another thing we want you... Okay. Um, our email is spillingthet22 at gmail.com. Second thing, we also will need you to send, um, if you are in the Nashville area and you have a crazy dating story... We mm. want to hear those as well. Good night. Please send it to spillingthet22 at gmail.com. <laughs> Sorry, you I didn't also... know you were going to do that every time. <laughs> um, you can also message, message us, I guess, on Instagram or our socials. If you know us personally, just, just give us a little ring. Um, we hope to hear from you. We really, 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 really want to hear it. Okay, please. I'm begging. We want to thank y'all for listening to Spillin' the Tea. Whitney Merritt and Liz Ent are co-hosts and co-producers. The show is edited by Jeff Ent, and the theme song was performed and recorded by Sam Mays, a.k.a. Chumsky. Follow us on Facebook and our Instagram at SpillinTheTea underscore podcast for show updates, partner posts, source material, and contact info for any business inquiries. Be sure to rate us whether you listen on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Thank y'all again so much for listening, and y'all come back now, you hear? Hear?